you to turn your Bibles to the book of Romans, chapter 1. And I want to just be so grateful for this church, for their continued support, helping us to preach the gospel. There's a lot more happening than meets your eye when you come to this church. You see the buildings, you see the parking, new parking lot, you see uh, people getting saved, people getting baptized. But apart from what you can see with your eyes, there's things happening around the world because this church is a firm believer in world missions. Hallelujah. And they have helped so many people, but they have helped us. Get, you know, give yourself a, a, a hand. Just give praise God. We appreciate it so much. And God bless you for that. I have some books at the back. Here's one called, I Took My Blackberry to Africa. 64,000 people saved in three and a half weeks. I didn't bring the other, I got a couple other books, but there's one called Strength. If you know anybody that's hurting, struggling, sick, in the hospital, get a copy for them and give it to them. I know it will bless them and I minister to them. Praise God. I want to read from the book of Romans, chapter 1, and we're going to start at verse 16, and then we're going to bounce backwards to 14. Romans, chapter 1, verse 16, Paul the apostle said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone who believes. For the Jew first and also for the Greek. Verse uh, 14 says, I am a debtor both to the Greeks and to the barbarians, both to the wise and the unwise. And verse 15 says, so much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel to you who are in Rome. Hallelujah. I want to talk to you about how to be great in the kingdom of God. And greatness doesn't have to do with your stature or your position, but it has to do with your attitude and the decisions you make in this life. Paul the Apostle was a great man. I think nobody would doubt that, that in the New Testament, he's the, other than Jesus, he's the most prolific uh, character in the New Testament. He wrote half the New Testament himself, and uh, he was a very uh, successful and great man. Uh, but many people would ask, did he come by it honestly, you know? Uh, was he great just because of where he was born? Of course, he was cultured in the great uh, culture of Rome. Uh, he had the, under the greatest leaders of the day. He was educated by Gamaliel, you know? And uh, he, he said, I was a Pharisee of Pharisees. I, I was a Jew of Jews. Uh, he had a good history. His, he called himself Saul of Tarsus, which meant something. He was born uh, in the city of Rome. Uh, which was the, the, you know, capital city of the world at that time and the center of commerce and, and all that was good. And then also, uh, he would watch the, the Roman soldiers, you know, as a young, young child, he watched the Roman soldiers marching after battle, conquering city after city, after nation after nation. And so, uh, you know, he, he had some great things. And, you know, he definitely, uh, by all intents and purposes, was born on the right side of the tracks. And so some people say, well, he was great because of his education. He was great because of his upbringing. But in Philippians 4, he said, I count all these things as dung. I count all these things as lost that I might know Christ. He said, I want a fellowship with him. I want to know him in the fellowship of his sufferings. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. Then he said this, he said, and my preaching and my teaching was not with the enticing words of man's wisdom. I could have used those things, but what really came forth was the power and demonstration of the Holy Ghost. Somebody say yes. And so Paul the apostle uh, was a great man and he made uh, some great decisions in life. I believe that he understood that a servant is not greater than his master. A disciple is not greater 
that is Lord. Come on now. And on his last days when Nero was, you know, ready to martyr him and, 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 and be done with him, I imagine Nero, Nero looked at Paul and said, 2,000 years ago, nobody will know your name. But 2,000 years later, we call our kids Paul and we call our dogs Nero. Come on now. Amen. Because he was great in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. What made Paul great, I believe, was decisions he made. And there are some real important decisions that you can make. Actually, some decisions that you can make in your life that will just set the course for your life and actually help you to make other decisions because you've already made some great decisions. For example, I decide I'm going to forgive people all the time. So when somebody offends me, I don't have to think about it. I just have to forgive. And sometimes it's not easy. Sometimes it's easy. Sometimes it's hard. But I'm just going to forgive. Paul made three great decisions that I believe charted his life. And I believe that I've, I've decided in my life I'm going to live by these three great decisions. Firstly, he said this. He said, uh, and let me say this. These are three, three great decisions that perhaps uh, many Christians have never made. Many Christians will never make these decisions. But if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, you ought to make these decisions in your life, own life. He decided firstly, he said, I will not and I have never been uh, ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody say amen. amen. You know, with all the miracles he's seen, with all the power he's seen, with all the understanding that he had, with all the revelation that he had on the fruits of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, and the uh, motivational gifts, and all the teaching, and all the organization of the church, he never lost sight of the fundamental and primary understanding of the gospel, that the gospel is through Jesus Christ and the blood that was shed upon the cross. Amen. He said the preaching of the cross is foolishness to those who perish, but to us who believe it is the power of God. From his first miracle on the road to Damascus and his second one on the street called Straight when his eyes were opened up and he could see again all the way through his life he was 100% committed to all the gospel of Jesus Christ and the power that was in the gospel. Hallelujah. I've been ashamed of some things I've seen Christians do. I've been ashamed of some things I've seen preachers do. I've been ashamed of some things I've seen churches do. I've been ashamed of some things I've done. But I've never been ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Because it's the power of God unto salvation. You know, just last week we saw uh, many people saved over in the Indian Reserve, over in Thunderchild. And we had uh, eight decisions and on the first night, 11 the second night. And over in uh, Flint Flon, we had 10 decisions in Manitoba. And in Prince Albert, we had 12 decisions. And, you know, all the way around the world, God is moving. In Canada, people are getting saved. All across Canada, people are coming to Jesus. They're tired uh, of the things that don't satisfy. And they're coming to the living waters, Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And they're finding life that is in the gospel. I've never been ashamed of the gospel when I see people's lives turned around. When I see people that were bound by drugs, bound by alcohol, or just lost. A businessman going to work every day, making hundreds of thousands of dollars, but lying in his bed in the middle of the night with his head spinning, wondering what this world's all about. 
But then they come to Jesus and they find purpose and they find destiny in their life. Come on now. And something happens and their life is changed. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Hallelujah. It's also the power of God unto healing. And, uh, you know, just last week, just a couple days ago, we saw a, 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 20, a 34-year-old man from British Columbia. I just went up to him and said, you got a problem with your shoulder. you got a problem with your back. He said, I've had it for 20 years. And he said, I'm always in pain. And I just touched him. And by the power of Jesus, just on the last night in Thunderchild, he was delivered. He said, how did you know? How did you know? I said, well, that's a, what they call a word of knowledge. I said, God gives you just a little bit, just a little bit so it helps people and not so much that it goes to your head. Come on now. And so uh, the power of God to heal the sick. I had a lady in, uh, in, in, and I'm just talking recently because, you know, these just happened. But I had a lady in, uh, in, in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan. Uh, Prince Albert, no, sorry, Prince Albert. Yeah, Saskatchewan. Yeah, she was healed in her, in her ears. She was deaf from birth. And her ears popped up right at the apostolic church over there in Prince Albert. Hallelujah. I'm not ashamed of this gospel. It's the power of God of the salvation to those who believe. If you're sick here today, I've got good news for you. There is a Jesus who can heal your body, who can touch your mind, who can heal your achy, breaky heart. Hallelujah. He's a healer. He's a deliverer. He's a provider. His name is Jesus. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I have to say this, I was in one service over in Africa, and I made, a I made a mistake when I had a little crowd of 300 people during a morning healing. I said, I'm going to pray for everybody. I'll lay my hands on everybody. By the time I was finished, there were 7,000 people. <laughs> and so you do the mathematics. I got on, I got on a chair because it's easier just to pray for people like this. Instead, I have to reach up and put your hand on their head. And I don't like to put my hand on other parts of people's bodies, so I'll put it on their head. And so I'm praying for them. And there was a lady coming on. My son Zachary was there. There was a lady come on, crawling on her hands and knees. It was right by the end of it. I'd gone. I'd been praying for three hours. I was tired. It was 47 degrees Celsius. It was hot. I was sopping wet. I was tired. And I got to admit, I looked down. I thought, oh, boy, I got to get off the chair to pray for her. Because she's down there and I won't reach her. And I was tired. And I, I got to admit, now I know you would never have done this because you just are so wonderful. But me, I was a little bit in the flesh. And I thought, I got to go down. And I reached down. I got off the chair. And I went down and touched her. And I just touched her head just lightly. And all of a sudden, crippled from birth, pads uh, uh, of, of uh, calluses on her hands and on her knees and she got up and started running around hallelujah I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God unto salvation to those who believe somebody say yes hallelujah uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of in this gospel it's the gospel of God hallelujah in verse 14 Paul the second decision Paul made is this he said I'm a debtor and now most Christians come to church the same way they go to work they go to work, I owe, I owe. It's off to work, I go. And some people go to church, I owe, I owe. It's off to church, I go. Why? Because some people have the mentality that Jesus gave them something so great that they have to pay it back. But I can tell you right now, you could never, ever, ever pay Jesus back for the gift that he gave you. It's a free gift of salvation. Hallelujah. Somebody say yes. Paul didn't say I'm a debtor to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. He said I'm a debtor to the Jew, the Greek, the bond, the free, the 
the lost, the, the, the lonely, the last, the hurting, the dying, the suffering, the dying. Come on now. He said, I am not a debtor to I could never pay my debt to Jesus. Some people say, I will serve thee because I owe thee. No, that's not how the song goes. It's I will serve thee because I love thee. And you got to get it right in your heart right now that when we reach out to the lost and we reach out to our neighbors across the fence or, or we meet somebody at the Walmart store or Best Buy, we're not just trying to reach out because we owe Jesus. You could never pay back Jesus, but we have a debt to this world, hallelujah. And Paul the Apostle got it right. He said, I have been given something that is given to me free. Freely I've received. Freely, freely I will give. Come on now. Hallelujah. It's the gift of God. I am a debtor to the Jew, the Greek, the bond, the free, the wise, and the unwise. Hallelujah. You know, I want you to know that when we share this gospel, it's not just an alternative lifestyle. That this gospel is the power of God unto salvation. When the troops went into Normandy, they didn't go in there teaching an alternative lifestyle. They were setting people free from a tyrant slave master called Hitler. Come on now. But I'll tell you something. When we share the gospel, we're not just out there peddling a theology. We're not just peddling a doctrine. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. Not a theology. Not a philosophy. Not, it's the power of God. And so we're not out there peddling a, a, a theology or doctrine. We're peddling the gospel of Jesus Christ that sets people free from the tyrant slave master, the devil, hallelujah. And I'm here to say today that no matter what you're going through, whatever your problem is, I've got a solution. His name is Jesus. Somebody say his name. Jesus, hallelujah. And Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. He said, I am a debtor to the Jew, the Greek, the bond, the free, hallelujah. I was seven years old when the Lord spoke to me in my home in Hamilton, Ontario, just a little boy. He said, you're called to Africa. And I thought, okay, good. And so when my parents left, when they were 16 years old, uh, I, I was 16 years old, uh, they went to Africa. And I had a youth ministries over there when I was 17 years old, of over 1,000 people. And I taught in the Bible college. But I hated Africa. I never wanted to go back. And uh, so I actually, my my wife, and she's sorry she can't be here today, but my wife, uh, uh, she was my fiance. She wasn't even my fiance. She was my girlfriend then. She said, she said, are you happy? We got in the airplane. Are you happy? I said, I won't be happy until I get off this continent. Then I was in Bible college my first year, and I was so cocky and arrogant, I came before the Lord and said, Lord, you told me, you know, we had a consecration service. I said, Lord, you told me to go to Africa, and I already did it, so I fulfilled my assignment. What's next? And he said, go back to Africa. I said, get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Hallelujah. But the Lord works in your heart. And sometimes the Spirit of the Lord will take you places you never thought you could go. And I'm here to say that the Lord has brought open doors for us. And really, he's brought us into the exceedingly and abundantly above all we could ask or think. I could never have dreamed. 
at this stage in our life, we'd be producing so much that God would use me as a little snot-nosed boy from Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Use me to slingshot people into the four corners of the world as missionaries. Hallelujah. What an awesome role that is, praise God. Hallelujah. Why? Because all over the world, everybody, young children, moms, dads, grandma, grandpas, have a right to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. And I'm not ashamed of this gospel. Hallelujah. And I have decided that I will be a debtor from this day forth and forevermore. Every time I see another village, every time I see another town that doesn't have the gospel, something inside of me just yearns to get there. How can I get there? How can we make plans? Right now, there's war in South Sudan, but we have decided, uh, Pastor Harry and I, we decided we're going to take a car. We're going to go all the way around the war zone. It's going to cost us about an extra 1,500 kilometers in the jungle. Praise God. But we're going to go through the Congo and then through Central African Republic, and we hope to cut in back above the war zone where there are Arabic cities that have never had the gospel, and we want to preach there because everybody has a right to know the gospel of Jesus Christ. And while we sit here, and some of you have heard the gospel many, many times, and some of you come and gone, and some have received, many have received, but some here today have rejected. But I'm here to tell you, there is a world that is hungry for this message, the message of the gospel that liberates and brings freedom and brings help and brings hope. Somebody say yes. Hallelujah. And so I'm not ashamed of this gospel. And I'm a debtor to the Jew, the Greek, the bond, the free, but I love verse 15. Paul the apostle said this. He said, I am ready. I am ready. And all over the world, Jesus is saying to believers, go into all the world, make disciples. And we say, we're getting ready. And Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. And somebody says, just give me a few more weeks to get ready. Come on now. And then we say, we read the end of the book, and we know we win. But still Christians are saying, we're going to get ready. And I've got family members that have 12 years of theological education, and they've never done any, anything with it, and they're still getting ready. My friend, you are ready if you've got Jesus inside of you. Something inside of you can touch a person, can touch a life. Hallelujah. And Paul the Apostle said, so much as is in me, I am ready. The word ready means this, even now. Everybody say, even now. All right already. I like that. All right already. Even now. All right already. It's the same word that was preached in John or spoken in John chapter 4 when Jesus said, Don't say there are four months to come harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields, for they are white, all ready to harvest. Already. Even now. All right already. The harvest is white. Right now, can I tell you right now, we are starving for workers to go to Africa and the Philippines and the Thailand. And if you feel called by God, hallelujah, and you're the right person, uh, hallelujah, and you're not psycho, and uh, hallelujah, pray, I just had to say that. But, but, but we want to launch people into the four corners of the world because I'm telling you right now, it's hard to believe it, but everywhere we go, we're just having great success because people are hungry for God, hallelujah. But we need to be ready. I want to be ready. I want to be on time. I want to be the ever-ready preacher. Amen? Are you ever ready? You know, I think about it just this morning. A couple years ago, the Lord spoke to me to go and visit somebody who had backslidden for a few years. And I said, he's been backslidden for a long time, Lord. I'll go and see him in a week. The next day, he spoke to me again. 
He said, he's, he, he needs to be spoken to. I said, all right, God, I'll go on Friday. And the next, uh, after that afternoon, he spoke to me. He said, you got to go right now. And I went over to where he worked. And he took time off his work, and he went out, and we had coffee. And there, it, it, thank God, I led him back to the Lord. And that afternoon, just after his work, he was leaving on a bike trip, went to North Carolina, and just on his way down there, was killed in a motorcycle accident. I'm so glad that the Spirit of the Lord, that I humbled myself and yielded to the Spirit of the Lord. Can I ask you, when the Lord tells you to go and talk to a neighbor, would you be ready? Come on now. If the Lord tells you to go and sit in Tim Hortons for an hour because there's somebody you got to meet, would you be ready? I want to ask you that. When the Lord tells you to give $50 to your, your family or to somebody who is in need, would you be ready? I want to be ready. Come on now. Paul said, as much as is in me, I am ready. Some of you look and say, well, I don't have this, I don't have that, but I'll tell you something. If you have Jesus in your heart right now, you got enough. And what you don't have, God will add to you. Use what you have, and God will multiply it. I remember the story where Peter goes to the gate beautiful, and the guy is sitting at the gate. And he goes, money, honey, uh-huh, money, honey, money, honey, money, honey, if you want to get along with, he's begging at the gate. And Peter says, I don't have a whole lot of money. I don't have a big fancy car. That's what he said. Silver and gold have I none. Problem is, most Christians say, I don't have a whole lot of money. I don't have a big fancy car. But my Jesus, he's all right. My Jesus, clean out of sight. No, 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 Jesus is not at your church. Jesus is not just with your pastor. Are you listening to me right now? That's how many Christians live. He's, Jesus is down the street. Come to my church. Meet my pastor. Meet this evangelist. Meet that. No, my friend, if you have Christ in you, he lives inside of you. Paul, didn't, Paul said, I don't have a whole lot of money. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I you, hallelujah. Now I'm here to say today, what you got in your spirit right now, it may not be as much as you want. It may not be as much as you should have. But I'm here to tell you, if you know Jesus, if you've been saved for one minute, you've got more than what the lost person has. You've got more than what the sinner has. And you've got enough to touch somebody's life. Come on now. If you can smile, if you can open your mouth, if you can say a prayer, God can use you. Paul the Apostle said, such, uh, Paul the Apostle says, such as is in me. Peter said, such as I have. And if you're here today, I just want to, I want to spur you on to remind you that the task of reaching the lost is not just for the evangelist. It's not just for the pastor, but it's for every believer because every believer is a missionary. Somebody say yes. Now close with this. Just pretend you're on my, your way to my house. And it's the end of the day and I'm just mixing a drink. I don't know that, you're, that somebody's coming, but somebody comes over to my house and I'm just mixing. I look in the fridge and there's a little bit of uh, uh, Pineapple juice and a little bit of tomato juice. <laughs> that sounds terrible. And a little bit of grapefruit juice. And I think, well, I'll just finish it up. I mix it all together. And my neighbor comes. 
And they walk in the door. And they say, I'm really thirsty. And I say, well, I got some water. But he said, what's that? I say, oh, you don't want that. He says, no, 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 I'll take that. He takes a drink of it. Stays for a little while. And you think, that was crazy. I wish I hadn't given I wish I had. I wish I had something in the house to give him. But the next day, he comes knocking. You come home, and he's knocking on your door when you get up to the doorstep. He say, what are you doing knocking on my door? And uh, he says, I just got to have another dose of what you gave me yesterday. And so you walk in there. He said, oh, how did I do that? I little bit of grape juice, pineapple juice, a little tomato juice. Mix it together. And you guys, this is crazy, but he let me give it to you. He, he drinks it again, and he, he's there for a little while, and he leaves, and he comes back the next day, and he says, I need some more. And you say, what are you doing, man? He said, hey. he says, just give me some more. So you give him some more. And this goes on for a couple days. And then you say, what is up? What is going on? Why do you keep coming back? He says, you don't understand. When I came to you the first day, I'd just been diagnosed with AIDS. I'd just been diagnosed with a horrible disease. But since I came to your house and drank that, that juice, I feel better. And since then, I've been feeling better. And this whole month, I've been drinking it. I feel better. And I went back to the doctors, and my AIDS is gone and every virus is gone and my blood is absolutely clean can I ask you a question what would you do with that potion would you hold it yourself or would you share it with the 30 million people around the world who have AIDS can I tell you right now we have a solution we have an antidote. Come on now. That's greater than the cure for AIDS. Hallelujah. It will save a, a low lost sinner. Hallelujah. It will heal a broken heart. It will pull somebody out of the clay. It will break the chains of bondage. Come on. Somebody say amen. It will break, snap the chains of darkness off a person's life. It will bring hope and happiness. It will bring people into the abundant life and into eternal life. His name is Jesus. Hallelujah. And I'm not ashamed of this gospel of Jesus Christ because it is the power of God. So take what you have and share it with a world that doesn't know Jesus. A few moments is going to be a water baptismal service. People are showing with an outward visible sign of what they believe happened to their life. The old man is being crucified. A new man is rising again to newness of life. And I'm so glad this church still believes in the power of the gospel. Hallelujah. Come on. Amen. Well, other churches have gone the way of philosophy and the way of humanism. Thank God there's a church that still believes in the blood of Jesus that forgives sins and cleanses people's lives. So I want you to bow your head. Close your eyes with me right now. Hallelujah. I want everyone to bow your head. Just nobody looking around right now. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus is your Savior. Maybe you're here today and you're backslidden. Maybe you're here today and you're not sure that if you were to die tonight, you'd make heaven. Can I just talk to you for a moment? Can I talk to you for a moment? If you live without Jesus, you'll live without a prayer. You'll live without a hope. You'll live without a dream. You'll live without a best friend. You'll live without somebody to talk to when you're lonely. You'll live without somebody to give you guidance when you're lost. But if you die without Jesus, you'll be separated from God and all of God's people for all of eternity. And so this morning, while we're just sitting here, 
I'm wondering how many people are here today. You don't know Jesus is your Savior. You're backslidden. You're not sure today that if you were to die that you'd make heaven. And while I preach this gospel all around the world and tens of thousands of people have been responding to this message of hope and gladness and joy of eternal life, I'd be foolish to be here this morning and not give you an opportunity to make a commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ yourself. You're here this morning. You don't know Jesus. You're here this morning and you're backslidden. You're here this morning and you can't say for sure that if you died that you'd make heaven. I'm not here to confuse anybody. But if you don't know you're saved, you're probably not. If you can't say for sure you're saved, you're probably not. Young man, sir, mom, the Spirit of God's speaking to you right now. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to speak in the microphone. I'm not going to ask you your name. But I do want to pray with you. You're here today. You don't know Jesus. You're here today and you're backslidden. You're here today and you're not sure. That if you were to die today, you'd make heaven. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. That where I am, you might be also. But he also said, there is a place where the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. And the worm never dies and the fire is never quenched. But the good news is that Jesus has come to give you life and life more abundant. You don't have to live in hell. You don't have to go to hell. But you can have Jesus in your life today. You can receive him in your heart as your Lord and Savior. On the, I'm going to give you an opportunity right now. You don't know Jesus. You're not serving Jesus. You're not sure today that if you died, you'd make heaven. You can't say for sure you're saved. All across this auditorium, while the Spirit of God is tugging at your heart, the funny feeling you feel in your stomach right now, it's the presence of God. He's tugging at your heart right now. Do you know him? Are you sure today that if you died, you make heaven? Can you say for sure that you're saved? If you can't, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm just going to give you an opportunity right now in this beautiful sanctuary. If you don't know Jesus, you're not serving Jesus. You're not sure if you died today. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to ask you all over this auditorium just to slip up your hand. Like I said, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to speak in the microphone. I'm not going to ask your name, but I do want to pray with you. It's a moment between you and God. Spirit of the Lord is tugging at your heart right now. Now is the time of salvation. Now is the acceptable time. We're not promised tomorrow. Today is the time of salvation right now. Tomorrow may never come. Now is the time to get right with God. If you're here today, you don't know Jesus. You're not serving Jesus. You're not sure. If you died today, you'd make heaven. I, I want to pray with you. There's no condemnation. Nobody's here to... Embarrassed, you say, what will people think? Mostly everybody here is just going to celebrate with you. I believe there's people all over this auditorium. Spirit of God's tugging at your heart. Mom, dad, children, all over this auditorium. The Spirit of God's just tugging at your heart. You're here today. You don't know Jesus. You're not serving Jesus. You're not sure if you died today, you'd make heaven. You can't say for sure you're saved. I'm going to give you an opportunity right now on the count of three. Get your hand ready right now, sir. Get your hand ready, ready right now, young lady. Spirit of God's tugging at your heart right now. Get, get your hand ready right now. I'm counting to three. You don't know Jesus. You're not serving Jesus. Not sure if you make heaven. You, if you died today, you'd make heaven, but you want to know for sure. On the count of three right now, I want you to lift up your hand. Get ready right now. One, two, three. Lift up your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? Yes, I see your hand. Yes, I see your hand. Is there anyone else? A young child here. A child over here. A mom over here. A dad over here. God bless you. God bless you. Is there anyone else? You say, pray for me, preacher.
Pray for me. I want Jesus. I want to receive Jesus. I see your hand over there. God bless you. Hallelujah. God bless you, sir. God bless you. Oh, the Spirit of God's moving. There's somebody else. The Spirit's tugging at your heart right now. Now. It's, yes, I see your hand. The Spirit of God's tugging at your heart right now. Would you just respond? right? Yes, I see your hand, sir. God bless you. God bless you. I want everybody to raise your hands. Just look at me. Everybody else, keep your head bowed. I want to tell you right now, this is the best decision you're ever making right now. God is moving in your heart. Jesus is here to save you. The power of God's here to minister to you. He will touch your life. He will, he will give you the assurance of your salvation. Praise God. God bless you. I want everybody to stand. Would you stand on your feet? Don't leave, but stand on your feet. Everybody, 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 stand on your feet. Jesus said, if you'll confess me before man. Jesus said, I'll confess you before my father. He said, if you cannot confess me before man. Jesus said, I will not. Confess you before my father. So listen to this right now. I'm going to ask everyone, listen to me. I'm going to ask every one of you to do something right now. Who raised your hand. I'm going to ask you to do something boldly right now. To slip out of your chair and come. I want to pray for you right here. I want to pray for you, but I want to pray for you right at the front here. Would you slip out of your chair right now? Let's give them a hand as they come right now. Come on, come on, lady. Come on, ma'am. Come on, come on, come on. Come, come from the back. Come, they're coming now. Come on, come right now. Come quickly. Come now, come now. The young children back there. Come right now, come right now. Come, 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 come. In the name of Jesus, come quickly. Come now, come now, come now. The Spirit of the Lord is tugging at your heart. Come right now, come right now. Ma'am, come, 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 come. Ma'am, come. Would you come? Come on. Come on. Come on. In Jesus' name. Come quickly. Come right now. Come now, sir. At the back. Sir, at the back. Would you come? Would you come right now? The Spirit of the Lord is tugging at your heart. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Hallelujah. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. Hallelujah. They're coming. Praise God. They're coming in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, sir. Just come and stand up here. God bless you. God bless you. Would you stretch forth your hand towards these people right now? These beautiful children. This couple here. This great man here. These young ladies here. God bless you so much. He will touch your life. Father, I pray you touch each one of these wonderful people in a way that no person could ever touch them, Lord God. Would you make yourself real? To them, would you come and invade their situation? Would you demonstrate the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to them? Would you touch them in a way that no person's ever touched them before? Would you reveal your hope, your help, your power, your life to them, I pray in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord God, from this day forward, they would never, ever, ever, ever be the same again. In Jesus' name. Just keep your hands stretched forward. The Bible says, look at me right now. The Bible says, if you'll believe in your heart, God bless you. God bless you, sir. The Bible says, if you'll believe in your heart, if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, you will be saved, young children. Today we're going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray from our heart. We're going to confess it with our mouth. That's how you get saved. Somebody asked me one time, they said, how do I stay saved? That's the question. Do you know how you stay saved? You keep on believing in your heart. You keep on confessing with your mouth. 
And today, right now, even right now, he's here to touch you and change you and manifest his power to you right now. And so tomorrow, you may make a mistake, but that doesn't mean you're not saved. It just means you made a mistake. And so what do you do? You just say, Lord, you're my Savior, and every day he's my Savior. I tell my kids, he was my Savior, he is my Savior. I'll always need a Savior. How do you stay saved? You keep on believing in your heart. You keep on confessing with your mouth. And so I'm going to ask everybody all over this auditorium, would you pray this prayer with me right now? Let's pray this great prayer. I'm asking you to move your lips. Believe in your heart this prayer. Let's pray it right now. Let's all pray it right now. Dear Jesus, right now, I ask you to come with your power into my life. I ask you, forgive me and change me. Be Lord and Master of this house. Jesus, I believe you died. So I could live. You suffered. So I could be well. You went to hell. So I could go to heaven. And right now, I receive you into my life. And from this day forward, I will never, ever, never, ever be the same again. Right now, I boldly confess, I saved. Hallelujah. Give the Lord a shout right now. Hallelujah. Praise God.